storytelling, finding characters, finding people who are, who are committed to these stories is so important because it makes you care. Facts doesn't make you care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the person mm-hmm. in the story who's compelling makes you care, right? It's reading a good book. I don't care if it's just facts, I don't care. But if there's a character, a central character that you can relate to in a book, you're going to keep reading it. It's the no difference. I mean, it's any story. It's, it's news. It's the same way. Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you facts. You're not going to care. But if I got to the example of that person who's telling it compellingly or you can kind of relate or you know somebody in your family that can relate or your neighbor can relate, then you're, it makes the world of difference. And that's why, in my opinion, storytelling is important. Now you couple that with the facts, right? Now you got a great story. From cave drawings to family histories to stories around the fire, humans crave order among chaos, connection amid isolation. So we tell stories. Our mission at the Storytellers Network is to bring the art of story to the masses. Whether you're in marketing, you're an entrepreneur, or you're developing your own personal brand, telling your story effectively can make the difference between celebrating milestones and collecting unemployment. The Storytellers Network strives to help storytellers tell their stories so you can learn from the best. Now, your host, Dan Moyle. Welcome to the Storytellers Network podcast, season eight, educational storytellers, almost to the end of the season. Uh, I am excited to bring you this guest today who is an educational storyteller in the world of TV. But before I get to that story, uh, just a quick note, go to the website, of course, thestorytellersnetwork.com for everything. Subscribe via email for new uh, episodes each month and also to find past episodes and inspiration to tell your story better, thestorytellersnetwork.com where everything is. Now, today's guest, uh, a friend of mine, a former colleague, a reporter, he is with NBC10 in Philadelphia. He's a Philly-born guy. He's back in his hometown, which is awesome. I used to work with Aaron Baskerville in Kalamazoo, but Aaron decided that he was, uh, he was good to join me for today's episode, and I'm so excited that he did. It's a lot of fun catching back up with him and hearing his story and why storytelling in journalism is so important for our country, for just fellow humans. It was a great conversation, so I know you will enjoy that. Without further ado, let's get to Aaron's stories. Aaron Baskerville, welcome to the Storytellers Network, my friend. Uh, This is not only just like this great interview, but also just like catch up with an old friend, man. We used to work together, so I appreciate spending a little time with you, man. No, thank you for having me. Yeah, it's been crazy, man. I haven't talked to you in a while. It's good to catch up. And uh, it's good to talk to you for a while. Yeah, back in the day in Kalamazoo, man, it feels like a long time ago, but uh, good memories back then. Yeah, yeah, you've made your way around now. So you went from Kalamazoo to where to where? Like, where? let's go that journey real quick. I was in Kalamazoo at the CBS affiliate there for, I don't know, five and a half, six years. Mm-hmm. Then I went to ABC affiliate in Detroit mm-hmm. for two years. And now I'm at the NBC-owned station in Philadelphia. Um, hey man, man, you've—it's funny how news make news reporters and anchors make their way around, and then photographers too. But um, to see your journey has been fun to watch. So, um, so Aaron, do you consider yourself a storyteller? Yeah, that's one of my—I uh, <laughs> guess one of the hats, one of the facets. Yeah, I mean that's the original—that's the reason I originally got into this. I mean, I liked telling stories and hearing stories. So that was why I wanted to be a reporter. I thought it'd be a cool way just to kind of tell a story, couple that with trying to help some folks out. I thought it was kind of the perfect job when I decided to do this, but yeah, 
I mean, I've always loved to hear stories as a young kid. I love when my dad would read books or tell me stories. I mean, we still, <laughs> I have kids. I tell my kids stories. They love it too. So yeah, I've yeah. always just kind of liked stories and telling stories. And what does that look like as a, at a professional level, as a reporter, what does telling stories mean to you? Well, I mean, it's at a different level now because when you're younger, you're telling stories, you can kind of make some stuff up, you know, make it, make it sound a little bit better, embellish and kind of just tweak it to your audience. But obviously in news, you you're telling the story, trying to have facts inside that story as well. So when you're telling a story, just like any other story, you want to have characters, you know, essential people that you can build a story around Mm -hmm. people who are, you know, in our business, credible for the most part. Mm-hmm. And um, you kind of try and make it creative and interesting while telling people facts about what they're trying to learn and hear about. Because just like anything, you want you want to be entertained when you see when you hear a story or see a story. But you can't lose sight of the fact that you're also trying to be a credible source and you have facts that people are relying on you to get across in a in a right manner, I guess, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I can see that. And do you consider news? Uh, educational. Yeah, that's not why you turn on the news. I mean, right? in my opinion, in my opinion, right? I mean, that's it's one of the top, or at least it should be one of the top educational sources out there. I don't. I mean, you want to be. Trust me, everybody nowadays, you want to be entertained. But the reason you turn on the news is to learn something, right? I mean, I mean, I'm not turning on the news to watch fairy tales. I'm turning on the news <laughs> to learn about my community, what happened in my town, my neighborhood, my street be it whatever, be it news, weather, whatever, you're trying to learn something. So yeah, I mean, it's, just, it's educational. It's very educational. It's, it's not going to school, but you turn on the news to learn something and you're turning on a different station because you believe those people are going to tell you something credible that you can learn from. That's, mm-hmm. that's my opinion, at least. Yeah. Well, and that, that's why I want to reach out for this educational storytellers season is because it's not just teachers. It's those of us who teach others in whatever aspect we're in. So um, it's, it's cool to hear you say that. Um, how do you, so you mentioned going to school, how has the, the content consumption that we're in today affected how you do your job, social media, websites, news, podcasts, like we're doing now. I mean, all of that, there's so much out there. How, how does that affect you on a day-to-day basis as a storyteller? Well, it's, it's easier and harder at the same time because mm-hmm you have access to so much more information and it's right at your fingertips. So it's, it's easier to go and get information, but it's not necessarily the right information that you're getting. Mm -hmm. So it also makes it harder in a sense, because there's so much out there, you have to figure out what's right and what's wrong, what's the truth, what's not the truth. And uh, that makes it more difficult. So in terms of what I do, I mean, I have to, go to credible sources, talk to credible agencies, things like that, that I believe have this, you know, track record of being um, trustworthy Mm. and anybody, any sources that, you know, I might not have heard of before or, or, or sources I'm not familiar with, I might have to double and triple check that source to make sure what they're saying is credible. But, um, there is so much information out there. It's changed my job dramatically. Like, for instance, just if I was doing some sort of store, I used to, they have to knock on the doors. You have to pound the pavement. I have to hit the streets and I really got to, you know, knock on doors to talk to as many different folks as possible to get the information 
that they may have or that I need. Now I can just go on social media. That, that All that information I would do knocking on doors is right at my fingertips. But once again, it might not be the right credible stuff. So, it, it, so for instance, a crime. People might put out a whole bunch of information on a crime on social media. Some of it might be right, some of it might be wrong, but now I can use that information as kind of background and I'll go to police who I trust and ask them about the information that I found out. Is this correct, is it not? And now I can use that information as background to go to credible sources and have them fact check it, so to speak, as mm -hmm. opposed to it'd be a lot more difficult to do that in the past. So many more tools at your disposal and chances to reach a different audience than both of those are and, good for you. And chances to make more mistakes. Yeah, absolutely. Because there's a lot of people who, um, I've been doing this for 18 years. There's some people who experience matters. I don't care what anybody says to me in any field, in any job, experience matters. So for someone who's done it for 25 years versus someone who's done it for four years, I'm not saying that person who's done it longer is better. I'm just saying that person who's done it longer may know the right avenues and right tools to check it. So somebody who's younger might not fact check those social media postings and information and might just run with it as opposed to someone who's been around for a while may go talk to a couple of different police agencies to fact check it. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, there's a lot more tools out there for sure which is great because we want more and we want more information and we want it to be easier, but it, it makes it sometimes more difficult and harder. And therefore in education, people to trust you makes it yeah. harder for people to trust you. Yeah. 18 years, man. I can't believe that. It doesn't seem like that was that long ago that we worked together and you've made all these changes since then. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. It's, it's been a while. I don't, I look back and don't even think about it. I mean, I was in Lansing. I was, I was a total Michigan guy. You know, I was in Lansing. I was in Kalamazoo. I was in Detroit. So yeah, it, 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 time flies, man. And, um, I'm grateful to be around and, and grateful to still be telling stories and, you know, still trying to learn every day. I mean, it sounds hokey and crazy, but you know, you still on this job, it's something new every day. So you, you're continuously learning, you know, as you would know, you know, you, you're, yeah. you're, you're used to be writing stories and, and producing shows and every day you'd be hit with something like, man, I didn't know that. Well, it's yeah. crazy. Oh, hundred percent. And I still try to strive for that, even in the marketing side of it, that I work professionally and in the storytellers network, like everything always learning is so important. That's why educational storytellers are critical to our, our society, really. I agree. So Aaron, we got a nice bedrock here of what you do and why you do it and how you do it. Let's go back to the beginning though. You mentioned uh, at the beginning of this conversation, you, you, storytelling has kind of always been there for you. Your dad telling you stories, this kind of thing. At what point did you kind of realize that like, okay, I want to do this professionally and this is my route that I can take. Was that early? Well, uh... No, it wasn't. I mean, my, for, the, for those who don't know, my dad was in the news business for 40 years. He retired a couple of years ago. So I've kind of always grown, around, grown up around news, storytelling, getting the facts right. My dad is a really, when I was really, really young, my dad had a radio show and he used to do kid shows like Spider-Man and stuff like that. So there's that storytelling background again. He used to love to tell stories. He'd get on the radio and he'd tell stories about superheroes. So it was kind of just ingrained. When I went to college, I graduated, and I'm a big sports guy. I love sports. I'm a gigantic sports fan. And I went to work at ESPN, and I just wasn't liking it. I was, I was finding out that sports was a job, and I didn't want to hate sports. Mm. So I was like, I got to – that's when I found out. I didn't find out till a year out of college at my first job that, you know what? Maybe I should go this route of, of trying to be a reporter where I can help folks and get back to that storytelling and, you know what I mean, trying to be creative, a creative outlet. So I went back to school, Northwestern, got a master's, 
And then I started this whole journey. So it's kind of been there. I've seen it from a young kid, but I didn't really, I didn't really figure out that I wanted to do this till literally after college. Like, yeah. like I went to college and studied this type of stuff, but it, I didn't know if I wanted to be behind the scenes or in front of the camera. So that's where the kind of shift changed right after college. Gotcha. And how do you go from that switch, you know, from behind the camera that you want, that you thought you wanted to do to like, you know what, I can do this in front of the camera and I want to, how does that journey look for you? I mean, it's, I mean, it's a big change, you know, it's a gigantic change in terms of being behind the camera and in front of a camera, but you always kind of have this ingrained in you, I guess, so to speak. And like with any job, you work at it, you practice it. Um, if you like to write and you like to be creative and you think you can tell a story, but it also helps folks. I mean, it's, it's hard to say how you make that transition because it's different for everybody. You know, some people can make it very quickly. Um, the writing part and the talking to folks out in the field and getting them to tell me their stories, which I can translate on the TV. That was the easiest part. The harder part is the TV part, you know, just being in front of a camera and talking to a camera and acting like there's only one person there, but potentially tens of thousands of people are watching you. Like that stuff is the harder part. I was always able to, to meet people, talk to them, feel comfortable with them, make them feel comfortable with me, which allows them to tell me information in their story. And then I can connect with them, which allows me to tell their story better for the people who are watching um, the news. So the storytelling aspect was kind of the easier transition. The, 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 the TV aspect is the hard transition because nobody knows all about TV. There's stuff that goes into it, and camera shots and this and being live and taping stuff. I mean, all that stuff is, is, is more difficult than, than I was just thankfully able to talk to people and be natural with them and them to tell me their stories. And I, I felt like I was able to relay what they were trying to get across to people who were watching. Mm -hmm. So that was the easiest part. All right. And uh, do you still get nervous in front of the camera after this many years? Yeah. I don't call it nervous. I call it nerves. You know, I'm almost no. like excitement. You know what I mean? Like um, it took a while before I felt comfortable because you have to be comfortable in every single situation when you're live in the field. Like people don't understand that. Like, it's not like I did 10 live shots and now I'm comfortable. You got to be comfortable when, you're doing a live shot and nobody's around, right? And you gotta be comfortable if you're doing a live shot inside of a building where 13 people are watching you. And you gotta be comfortable in a live shot where someone's standing right next to you. And you gotta be comfortable in a live shot when someone's screaming and yelling. You know what I mean? There's so many different scenarios, as you would know, and factors. So like, it takes a while and you have to go through each one of those like 40 times, you know? Like you, you have to, right. be, before you're real comfortable, like each of those 40 times. So now I don't get, I get kind of like a, like just kind of a, an excitement and kind of, it's not nervous, but like, you know, kind of a, just an energy that, that takes over you right when you're going to, right before you go live. Yeah. I'm not nervous anymore after doing it for so long, but certain situations, you still keep your, you could call it nerves or guard up. You know, it's still a weird situation when you're going live and you've got like 100 people doing nothing but staring at you. Like just <laughs> yeah. think about that. You know what I mean? Like that's a very weird scenario and it's very weird to get comfortable doing that no matter how many times you do it. You learn to do it, but like, you know, people just don't understand what that's like. You're literally got a mic and a camera and then 
forget about the tens of thousands of people who are watching on the other side of the TV screen. You're not even worried about that. Just the 50 people who are standing 10 feet next to you, staring at you, hoping that you mess up or do something stupid. You know what I mean? Like, so it's just a wild business, man. But, um, yeah, I don't put it this way. I don't take every live shot for granted. I don't act like I've been there a thousand times and try and just, you know, not care about it. I care about each live shot I do and I take it almost like it's one of my first ones because that's the way I stay on my toes and that's the way I can kind of take it seriously and, and try and minimize any mistakes and, you know, mm -hmm. kind of, kind of just be on point, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, how often do you have to work alone versus in a partnership? And, and obviously like, again, obviously I know this in a way I know, you know, we have photojournalists and your live shot people, your satellite truck drivers, whatever, but like it's almost always a pair, but nowadays there's one man bands. Yes. Um, How is that been, for you? I've been very grateful. I've never one man band in my life. I have never worked without a partner. Hmm. I have never had to edit my own stuff. Um, very fortunate, very lucky. So working, I work night side for people. I work night side. So I work Monday through Friday. My shift is 3.30 to 11.30 something crazy is happening, breaking news. I'll be in the earliest, like meaning like four or five and the six, excuse me. But typically I'm working for the 11 o'clock newscast out here. We only have an 11 o'clock newscast. There's no 10 or I know some folks have earlier newscasts an hour before the main newscast. So I'm always working with a partnership. When you do a lot of crime stories, you end up in different neighborhoods and it would be best to sometimes have a partner with you. Um, nowadays, some folks um, have different feelings about the media, mm. to put it that way. So therefore, mm. that makes sometimes some situations a little bit more dangerous than they used to be. Um, people think they can just say and do whatever they want to you. Mm. So I can't imagine. I mean, we have a couple folks that work by themselves here. Um, depending on where you work, they will hopefully be good about it, not send you out in dangerous situations by yourself. But um, it's, it's, it's a difficult thing to imagine going out by yourself and people don't understand that these people got to shoot their own stuff. They got to edit their own stuff. They've got to write their own stuff. They've got to sometimes hold a mic and ask the question by themselves. They have to get to these places by themselves. They've got to carry the tripods to these places. They've got to do a whole bunch of, they've got to set up, set up interviews on the phone while driving. I mean, like mm -hmm. what, what they do, is, is extremely commendable. Mm -hmm. That's on that side of the aspect. But also what you'll understand is for storytelling, most of the times I'm talking to my photographer about our story. Yo, how are we going to tell this story? How are we going to make this better? And two, I mean, I know about you, but two brains are better than one. So we mm -hmm. can always bounce our ideas <laughs> off of each other. I might say something and somebody who's been around for a while could be like, no, let's not approach it this way. Let's do it. You know, let's, let's talk to these people this way. And maybe we should talk, ask them about this. And, and our story can develop and change throughout our entire shift because now both of us are vested in this story and we're just kind of bouncing ideas off of each other, which in my opinion, in the end, makes the product so much better than if I was by myself. So mm -hmm. there's two different aspects. There's the, you know, you're working a lot harder. You can be put in dangerous situations and all that stuff when you're by yourself. But also when you're, you're, you feel more comfortable when you're out in situations when you're with two people, but also the story's better, storytelling's better, your ideas are better. Um, you know, things completely change when you're with another person. I mean, it's just, it, seems, it should be common sense to me. Yeah. No, yeah, that all makes sense. 
So Aaron, when, when we're talking about news in particular, you, we could just have the facts. This person was, you know, shot or robbed yeah. or something happened or there was a car accident. This is what happened. Then we move on. Mm-hmm. Story changes it. How, mm-hmm. why, why is that? And how is that? Well, because, all right. So you can pick any story. You can pick a crime story, educational story. I can sit here and tell you, um, I'm just, I'm just going to pick crime because we're talking about, it. I can tell you, Hey, Pete got shot at the end, you know, on the corner. It was the third shooting of the year. It happened at, at Johnson and, you know, Peter's corner, right? You're, you're like, whatever, right? You're listening to that, right? You hear it. You may forget that in five seconds, right? Now, if I story tell that and I get a young victim who's been a, a victim of gun violence and she's telling me her story. She's nine years old and telling me how she's scared to leave the house and how she saw her friend get shot. And she's pleading with community members to help her. And we're scared to go to school. That makes a complete difference, right? Now you're like, wow, now you're, now you're interested in the story a little bit more, right? Now, now you're paying attention. Now you might have gotten up out of your seat when the other information I, got, I gave you might have just like continued cooking and forgot about that story in seven seconds. But now with an, a whole character, a person who is, you know, touched or was, you know, a victim of something and is, is being passionate about this. Now you might stop cooking for 30 seconds, right? And you might look up at the TV and actually watch what's going on. And you may remember that. You may go tell, you know, your neighbor, hey, I was just watching the news. Did you see that little girl? She was so, I couldn't believe what she's been going through just to walk to school. It changes everything. That's why storytelling is important. That's why it's finding people who care. That's that. You can change it to education. You can, you can tell a story about, Hey, this program is great. It's helped 38 people, you know, get to college. And that's great. And I can tell you that information and you may care or not. But now if I tell you the 15 year old who went to this program and it's changed his life and now he's going to got to get a scholarship two years ahead of graduation to a, a top notch college. And he's all, you know what I mean? Like that changes the story. Like mm-hmm. you're listening, like, that, I mean, storytelling, storytelling, finding characters, finding people who are, who are committed to these stories is so important because it makes you care. Facts doesn't make you care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the person mm-hmm. in the story who's compelling makes you care, right? It's reading a good book. I don't care if it's just facts. I don't care. But if there's a character, a central character that you can relate to in a book, you're going to keep reading it. It's the no difference. I mean, it's any story. It's, it's news. It's the same way. Like, I'm going to tell you facts, you're not going to care. But if I got to the example of that person who's telling it compellingly, or you can kind of relate, or you know somebody in your family that can relate, or your neighbor can relate, then it makes the world of difference. And that's why, in my opinion, storytelling is important. Now you couple that with the facts, right? Now you got a great story. Mm -hmm. So much passion in your voice. I love hearing that. That's a great example. And it and it reminds, it, it kind of tips off in my mind, the two words of empathy and compassion. Is that what you strive for in every story? Yeah, it's, it's, it's very difficult sometimes. You know, people will say we're jaded and you know what I mean? Listen, it's yes. The, the easy answer is yes. I strive for that. Yes. But it is sometimes so difficult when you do the same story. You know, when you, we, listen, you, you've been doing this for so long. You're doing the same story. A bunch of times every every year mm-hmm. it's just it might be a different person but it's typically the same story you know what i mean like we're doing like it's just different it, but that's why you got to find the angle you got to find a different person you got to find a different way to tell the story i mean 
in a box, I'd probably tell the same or I have the same type of story, like 15 to 20 times a year. But it's how am I going to make this one different? And I can tell you, I get, that's, the, that's the comment I get most is that people, when they see me, they can actually say, oh, I can see that you cared about this story. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I can see it in your face. I can see it in your voice. I can see it when you're live and talking about something that's happened. And that's the greatest compliment I can ever get because that shows to me that they see that I care. And when people see that you care, then they open up to you. You know, like they open up to you, they feel like they know you and that helps you down the road. But yes, if, when you go and talk to people, like you shouldn't have to fake that you care, you know what I mean? Like, or you right. shouldn't really be in this business. Like, like you should care. That's why you're here. You know, like, so when I go in every story, yeah, like, like, and, and, and I'll be honest, maybe when I start off on the story, I don't care. You know, it's like, oh, what is this? You know? And then when I get there and then I talk to the person, I see him, it's like, man, I walk out the door, like, you know, like. Now I care. Do I care too much? Am I going to bring it home with me? You well, know what I mean? That yeah. type of thing. But like, yeah, no, man. I, I, I mean, I'll admit that maybe there's sometimes I walk into it like, ah, man, this again. And then when you meet the people and then you see no matter what story you're doing, you see how much they care about it mm -hmm. and how much it affects them. Then if you have to care, you know, <laughs> you have to care or get out the business or you don't have heart. Mm. So you, so that's a great segue into what you just said. Uh, do I care too much? I take it home with me. I was planning to ask amend all that. How do you not take it home with you? You've got kids at home. You have a wife at home. You have a life. How do you not go home and sit in that? Whatever it is. I, I mean, I, I do sometimes. And it's like a running joke that like when you retire, like five years later, all of this stuff's going to come flooding back and it's just going to crush you. You know, mm. like it's weird because people talk to me about that all the time. It's like, it's, it's tucked away in the subconscious somewhere, you know, where like, like somehow I'm able to compartmentalize it where I don't like for the most part, it's just tucked away after that night and I don't think about it. Um, but most, I mean, there are, there are always stories that kind of will stick with you and kind of, um, you know, last with you for a long time. It's hard. It's, it's hard. I mean, it's hard not to, to bring some stuff home, especially when, you're dealing with stuff that happens to children. Mm. You know, that's the most difficult thing. And it's not even just crime things. It's just, you know, when you see somebody who's struggling and, you know, you see somebody that you think you can help or, you know, that type of stuff. Um, it's, it's, it's difficult. I mean, I, there's no real easy answer. You, 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 you take it home with you. And then if you're lucky enough to have a family, then you just hug on your family. You look in your kid's eyes and that kind of brings you back to life and kind of, you know, kind of gets you through it. And I, I, you can say it sounds cheesy and corny, but anybody who is lucky enough or wants a family and has a family or has loved ones, you know what that means when you can just go home and kind of talk to them and hug them. It changes a lot, you know? So I guess that goes back to a support system. So they know kind of what we deal with and um, having someone to talk to about this stuff. But yeah, you do, you do bring it home. Um, it's not a daily thing. It's not a daily battle. It's not every day when you're coming home and like, ah, you know, thinking about stuff. But there are certain stories that stick with you. But like I said, my dad's been around for a while, so he understands what I go through. So that's, that's really cool that it's mm -hmm. easy to talk to someone like that on that level, you know. Mm -hmm. And my wife's been with me for ages, so she understands what's going on. And, um, yeah, man, it's tough. It's, it's, I, I'm never going to say I'm a first responder because I'm not. But you can imagine what 
you know, firefighters and police officers see on a daily basis and kind of what they bring home with them mm-hmm. and how they deal with it. And it's, it's a, it's a, it's a fraction of that, but to get people to visualize, it's kind of like that, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You're going to see some really messed up stuff a lot mm-hmm. and uh, you got to figure out a way to deal with it, man. You know, and the best mm-hmm. way is to probably talking to somebody if it, if it really affects you that much, but yeah, mm-hmm. it's difficult, you know, man. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure even, even just, being behind the camera and producing stories and seeing stories, there's probably still stuff that sticks with you and you're like, man, I can't believe this. And you know, it's just tough. Yeah. Well, and then there's other, you know, uh, careers or other volunteer opportunities or people work with, let's say domestic abuse victims or sexual assault victims or veterans with PTSD or homelessness or children in some way. And even if you're not in it, you know, like you are, or like a first responder is you're still dealing with that. And so trauma in any way, need you need self-help you need self-care i guess is what i want to say but um yeah you, you've yeah. seen it i mean obviously with all your great work with veterans i mean yeah i mean the, i guess the, i guess when you when you realize you need help the best thing is saying you need help if, yeah. if it gets that far and then, and then now you can kind of move forward but um it can be difficult at sometimes like i said it, the hardest is with kids you know when, mm-hmm. when it's young people involved and you feel like nobody's helping them, but you're sitting there and they're, you're kind of feeling helpless. Those are the most difficult ones. Yeah. So stories that stick with you and other things like that, um, life-changing stories. Uh, do you have an example of one that maybe, it doesn't have to be negative, uh, a positive one would be great too. Um, do you have one that you can look back on and say, all right, that's cool. I was a part of that. And that's a life-changing story. Do you have one that really sticks with you? <laughs> I don't know if I have one that sticks. I mean, it's just funny because we're just, I'm, I was in the midst of uh, doing, doing one right now that sticks with me. It's just, and there's, there's a lot of them, but it's just, this one's recent. It's just, there's a, there's a nine-year-old boy who um, he's, was at a local hospital here uh, last year or no, or it was earlier this year. He's fighting Hirschsprung's disease. It's, it, it kind of affects your colon. It can be a potentially deadly illness. He was eight years old. He's nine now. And all he was in the hospital and all he wanted was birthday cards for his birthday. Right. He just wanted just a bunch of birthday cards. And we were, I was the first one to really do the story and didn't think it was going to be a big deal. Hey, you know, Hey, this boy, he's sick. He, he needs some help. Let's get him. Let's lift off his spirits, you know? Uh, so I went to meet him in the hospital and I talked to him and he was just, uh, just a great kid. You know what I mean? And he was just young and you could tell that like at that point he was really sick and like, you know, kind of the color had left his face mm. and it's just amazing like how media can help and just reach people meaning and like within the next two days he had more than 10,000 birthday cards wow. right 10 people from all over the world um were sending him birthday cards and they kept coming and his his family was just like so grateful you know what I mean and you just think it's just the it's the smallest gesture you know what I mean like you're doing this daily but just to see like their face and they just couldn't believe it. And literally 10,000 cards. It's just, it's, it's unbelievable. So fast forward, this little boy gets better. And now over the past couple of days, I went and saw him and he's out of the hospital and he's, he's just a great kid. And now he's um, doing a toy drive and he got, you know, 3000 birthday, uh, 3000 gifts like donated to him. And he's going to the back to the hospital where he was sick at and playing Santa and handing them out to all the kids. Mm. And it's just like a full circle thing that like, just an example of just, it's always stuff with the kids that 
stick with you, you know? So that's a positive one. You meet this kid and you just, you know, and then you develop a relationship with them and, and you just, you do a story and then 10,000 people from around the world send flood the hospital with birthday cards over, mm-hmm. you know, a week period. And then this kid who's, who was crazy sick now flips the script and now wants to do the same thing. And he's nine. And now he goes out and gathers thousands upon thousands of gifts now to deliver back to the kids at the same hospital who are really sick and, you know, and he's just really happy. So like, that's one just recently that stuck out with me. Mm -hmm. And then we've had here in the city, we've had, um, we've had a couple, we've uh, more than a couple, we've had a lot of kids die on the streets who Mm -hmm. have been killed by gun violence and a mother who was inside her house was holding a, her two-year-old daughter and somebody shot through the house and killed a two-year-old girl while she was in her mother's arms. And we did that story for a while, for like a week or so. So mm. it was just that's 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 something that sticks with you. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. you know you can't imagine that just being in your own home. You think you're safe, right? And you think everything's great, and then all the, and you're and you're like holding you know your daughter in your arms, yeah. and you know just trying to rock her to sleep, and every world is great, right? And then seconds later, bullets come flying through, and the mom didn't get hit, was fine, and then the little girl. Mm. those are like i mean those are those are like they're obviously polar opposites but those are just examples of things that stick with you those Mm -hmm. are examples of things that you bring home with you and um you know there's 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 a lot of stories that stick i mean i i mean the the thing it's either it's extreme highs and extreme lows you know i mean those Mm -hmm. are the ones that stick with you you know what i mean the yeah. ones that you can't believe that that happened and that's so terrible or the ones you can't believe that that happened because it was so good. You know, like mm-hmm. those, the, 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 the medium, the ones in the middle, like I can forget it. You know, if you ask me on a normal day, I hate to admit like, yo, what'd you do last Wednesday? You asked me what story I was on last, I can't tell you. Right. You know what I mean? I don't know. What did I do last Tuesday? No idea, you know, but like, but if it was one of these stories, I could tell you, but on the average week, I, I, mean, I hate to say it, but it's just, you're doing so many stories, sometimes multiple but um, it's always the kids, the stories that are with kids that that mm-hmm. stick with me. And I'm glad they stick with me because it, it, it teaches you a lot. You know what I mean? Those are the mm-hmm. stories that you learn from. Those Absolutely. are the stories that you can kind of take with you and learn from it, make something, try and make something better. Next door, you're involving, you know, kids and you're talking about compassion, families, all that stuff. I mean, you can see how it all plays together, mm-hmm. weaves together. And you can have those swings in one week within days of each other too. That's got to be hard sometimes. Yeah. I mean, you can have that, you can have that swing in the same day. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Like, I mean, especially here in a gigantic city like Philadelphia, I could start off the day doing a a, a lovely feature story about something. And then an hour later I can get called to breaking news where that happens. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Uh, Those swings happen by the hour, Mm -hmm. literally, you know? So, but yes, yes. You can have that in the same week. You can have that in the same couple of days you can have that in the same couple of hours. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, an emotionally demanding job and, um, <laughs> yeah. Well, you thank know, you for doing it. Oh, I appreciate it. But yeah, I mean, you just gotta, I guess, keep grinding, you know what I mean? Try not yeah. to look back as much, uh, but it's difficult. Yeah. Well, and those stories, like you said earlier, are so important. Education, empathy, connection, all of that, bringing other humans together is so important. So again, thank you for doing that. Um, I, so I think about like where you are now in Philly, huge city. You're, you're on TV on the 11 o'clock news. You're on the internet. Uh, you probably get recognized. It's, it's like you've made it in the world of news. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, something like that, right? My right? mind made it. Yeah. Right? Yeah, um, it is. I mean, I guess so. You're right. 
but but what is what is making it as a storyteller look like for you at this point in your career? Like what's what's in the future for you that you really want to reach for? I mean, I guess I I I guess making it is like I guess the goal is is audience, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess that's the goal. I mean, the goal is to I mean, the goal is to always tell accurate stories that are compelling and all that stuff that you hear, but you want people to see it, right? You want people to hear it. So I guess, I guess the goal isn't really, I, I, at one point you want to, oh, I want to be in this city. I want to be in that city. I want to climb the markets. You know what I mean? I don't necessarily, you know, I don't, I, it's not really a network reporter, but I, I guess you want your stories to be seen by a large audience because in that situation, you can kind of affect the most change, right? If if it comes down to that, or or help the most help the most people if they see it. So I guess growing audience is always a goal, and will always continue to be a goal while I'm in this business. And that changes, you know what I mean? Audience doesn't necessarily mean biggest TV market because now you can reach people all different ways. Mm-hmm. So um, it's it's not. You know, back in the day, you might say, oh, I want to be a network reporter. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't really necessarily want to be a network reporter. There's so many different things that go into that that people don't understand. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and it's not always the highest paying job unless you are one of the main anchors for the network, you know? Mm-hmm. But um, growing audience will always be it. What that looks like is I have to probably get a good grasp on. So probably like growing social media and those platforms because – Therefore, your audience grows. You know, you you you're at a big enough city now where you have enough eyeballs, television-wise, right, on TV. But now there's so many other ways to reach people and um, get out there. So mm-hmm. my goal is always just to grow the audience. And I guess, then, I guess, in a weird way, that means my goal would have to be to grow my social media presence. Then, mm-hmm. because if I grow my social media presence, therefore I'm getting more eyes on the stuff that I'm doing, and uh, that way more people can see it. It can maybe help more people. It can maybe change stuff, all the stuff that you kind of get in this business to do, you know, it's not, it's not climbing cities anymore. I'm done yeah. with that really. Yeah, that makes sense. So, um, verified on TikTok and Snapchat's next then, huh? No. <laughs> yeah, right. Snapchat. Yeah. I've never been on Snapchat, TikTok. The middle schoolers are taking over with TikTok. It's funny right. because like I try and I try and stay up to date, you know? So when we're out in stores, I talk to like kids about what, what they're using. You know what I mean? I, I all the time, like, so what is the social media of choice? And TikTok is, that's the choice for middle schoolers. And obviously Snapchat is there and Instagram, but TikTok is starting to really make a, a presence with, with younger people. And mm-hmm. you want to reach sixth, seventh and eighth graders. That's where you go. <laughs> right. Right. That or just, just this week I saw that star Wars did this big event within the Fortnite game. Like oh, wow. an, on, an online game had a trailer premiere and a live talk with jj abrams That's just crazy like, insane so anyway yeah yeah my kids play my my kids play for a night so yeah yeah a bunch <laughs> of a bunch of my kids at church do <laughs> and, a, and a couple other million right right um uh, so aaron this has been a lot of fun man i i've really enjoyed this i want to get to my last question in a second here but um for those people who do want to connect with you on social where's the best place to find you <laughs> uh, I don't even know my stuff. You can always find me on Facebook. Um, yeah. I don't even, it's just my name. You just Google my name. I mean, well, not Google. It's whatever. Go to Facebook, type my name in. I have two pages. I have a, my regular, you know, page and I have a fan page. Okay. My Instagram is, 
Aaron Baskerville, Baskerville underscore TV. Cool. I think. I don't even know my stuff. How terrible is that, man? Like <laughs> I legit, I legitimately don't know my stuff. That's funny. A Baskerville 10 is Twitter at a Baskerville 10. I know that. I just know my Instagram has a, has a Baskerville T Aaron Baskerville TV. There's an underscore in it somewhere, but right. don't, shh, don't tell anybody. <laughs> I'll, put, I'll put links in the show notes. Everybody can go yeah, to man, the, I'm sorry. I'm just a fool. You know no, that's I mean? all right. <laughs> I mean, all we ever do is use them on our phone. We're not looking at them, right? Exactly. We just do exactly. it. So, and, yeah. and here's how I, I got a way to grow my social media presence and still don't know how to do it. Right. Well, we'll help with that a little bit at least. So Aaron, if somebody Thanks, were to, yeah, no problem. If somebody were to say to you today that you can no longer be a professional storyteller, you're done telling stories. What would you want your last story to be before you're done? I would want it to be something with kids. Mm. Uh, as opposed, I don't know what, you know, but uh, like, you mean if I could just make up what my last story would be? My last story, if I, my last story, I would want to get a bunch of kids who are victims of gun violence and then show how they fought through it and are doing better now. So if I could get 10 to 15 young kids who have been shot, but now have overcome that somehow, some way, and are pushing through that, I think that would be a very powerful story, you know, because... Mm -hmm. A lot of people, um, when you get to these bigger cities, there's violence and gun violence is a gigantic story in terms of how to stop it, how to keep it from happening. And it can really affect people in obviously traumatic ways that me and you obviously can't really understand, I would imagine. So to get, to get that would be just a powerful image, let alone a story. Just these kids have fought through this, but that's just one off the top of my head. But I mean, kids make such a powerful statement, man. When you throw a bunch of kids on and be overcoming something or smiling and happy, you know, like no matter, like they always say, right? Dogs and babies, right, my man? <laughs> Animals and babies on the yep. news, right? You put that, you throw that stuff on the news, people watch it and they don't turn it off. Yep. And I, that's how I, I mean, some, to some degree, that's correct. You know, you throw kids on TV who have especially overcome something and now you throw a bunch of them together like i mean people aren't that's a powerful image and that's just that's the way i would want to go out because i think people would remember that too you know what i mean your last story you want to make it memorable i just don't want to make it memorable for me i want to make it memorable for folks who are watching and i think that a lot of people who are watching they're not going to forget that mm -hmm. so but i know kids i know i know my last story's got to have some kids in it you know what i mean absolutely and throw a dog in there just for fun but no, <laughs> it's got to have some have some kids in it for, for sure man yeah. I know yours would be with veterans probably, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they get me every time. <laughs> yeah, I know, man. They, do. they should get everybody every time, you know what right. I mean? I mean, that, that's some powerful stuff too, man. Mm -hmm. I, mean, I mean, flying to D.C. and the stuff, the work that you've done, I mean, I mean that's great a, stuff too. It was, a, it was a great experience for sure. It was a great time in my life, a uh, wonderful season that I was involved in. Um, but then, yeah, I mean, the kids' stories, dude, absolutely, 100%. So. Aaron, man, thanks so much for being a part of this today. Uh, I, I love your story. I love connecting with you. Uh, keep, keep doing what you're doing, my friend. Thank you, my friend. Anytime you need me on anything, I'm always there for you, Dan. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me on. I really do appreciate it.
Once again, thank you so much, Aaron Baskerville, for telling your story on the Storytellers Network. You can connect with him at the links in the show notes. We've got his Twitter feed and Instagram and Facebook and all that good stuff and his website, um, well, the, the new station's website. So, Aaron, thank you again so much for being a part of this. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode, please consider sharing it with someone. Text it to them, share it in social media, send an email, whatever you can do to help us spread the idea of storytelling and how great it is for everyone out there in the world because we are all storytellers. It is what connects us. Empathy and story help us to, to inspire and educate others and connect with other human beings. It is so important. So thank you for sharing and thank you for the reviews that we've received on Apple Podcasts and other podcast platforms. Uh, if you enjoyed it, please leave a review there as well. So there you go. If you want to share your story with me, go to storytellersnetwork.com, hit contact Dan, you can send me an email or just send it to Dan at the storytellersnetwork.com. Shoot me a note. Let me know what you love about the show. Let me know what you want to see on the show or just tell me your story. Hey, thanks for listening. Until next time, here's to telling our stories and having stories to tell. Cheers. Cheers.